Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, the podcast where we explore the origins and development of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. This week we are doing a story from, and a little more besides actually as well, we're doing the story from issue 16 of the Teen Titans that was published on the 23rd of May 1968. And we're also going to be talking a little bit more about some other subsequent issues of Teen Titans and something else a little even more sort of subsequent and many, many, many years later, but we'll get to that. So the Teen Titans, made up generally the sidekicks of established heroes like Batman, Green Arrow, The Flash and Wonder Woman, although we could talk all day about Wonder Girl, who Donna Troy actually is. The Titans first appeared essentially in issue 54 of Brave and Bold, published in April 1964. Now they weren't called the Teen Titans in the cover, it was just Robin, Aqualad and Kid Flash, but in, by the time issue 60 of Brave and Bold was published and Wonder Girl joined the team, they were known as the Teen Titans. Issue 60 of Brave and the Bold came out in April 65, and then issue 1 of the Teen Titans' own comic was published in November 1965. So, Pizzi, when did you first encounter the Teen Titans? Well, individually, I probably came across <laughs> Robin first, right. to be honest. If you're, t- if you're talking about it as a team... Yes, as a team, obviously. When did you first encounter Kid Flash? We'd be here all night. <laughs> I think it was in a Brave and Bold issue, but I think it was a reprint of one that was in one of the... Remember the pocketbooks they used to have here in the UK. Yes. There was a story reprinted that had the Teen Titans and Batman in a story where Batman had the Teen Titans infiltrate a street gang all in their civilian identities. Interesting. It was pretty cool. I vividly remember a pickpocket scene from it where they basically pick someone's pocket, run, throw the wallet into a a trash can and then they're stopped by the police and say, look, I've got nothing on me. And then someone else has already picked the wallet out of the trash can. Class. This listener's it's a trick that Peter repeated himself when he undertook his own life of crime in the early 90s. Look out for Peter's My Life of Crime podcast coming soon. I wouldn't like to say I do that on a daily <laughs> basis, however, you know, it's, I wouldn't like to say I don't. So, there was great Jim Aparo artwork as well. I'm pretty sure it's a Bob Haney story. Right. Which is great, because this is Bob Haney writing this one. Yeah. Except this has got Nick Cardi artwork in today's issue. What about yourself? I, I've got all the issues of the B&B that the Titans are in. I wonder if that's one of the ones that I've picked out for the, the pending cover gallery. My first memory of reading and encountering them, there's an issue of Wonder Woman, round about mm-hmm. 81, 82, I think. Eight, I'm going to say 81 because I remember getting it round about the same time as the issue of DC Comics Presents where Captain Marvel and Superman spot bodies. There's an issue of Wonder Woman that guest stars the nah. Teen Titans, the new Teen Titans, I should say, because mm-hmm. that was the first way that I experienced them. And I think I'm pretty sure that I would have got that when we were on holiday as a family in Devon, as I say, summer of 1981. And I remember being really, really intrigued and my imagination captured by Beast Boy. Mm-hmm. For a start, he was green, but the fact he could turn into different animals was fascinating. I've always been a fan of superheroes that can turn into other things. <laughs> you know, like the Hulk is my, you know, absolutely fascinating to the Hulk since I was a wee boy. You know, I think he's definitely one of my favourite Marvel mm-hmm. characters. That sort of thing. Beast Boy appealed. But it's an interesting sort of thing, the Titans. I've got quite a reasonably sized collection of the Silver Age run, and I've got the first couple of dozen issues of the, the famous Marv Wolfman, George Perez run. Yeah. But I can't say that I'm honestly a massive fan of them. I mean, I 
remember when Jeff John started writing an ongoing series of the Titans and I lasted about six or seven issues before before I gave up on it because I just wasn't versed enough in Teen Titans lore to understand it. Really? It's a sort of similar sort of thing I think that some people have with the Legion of Superheroes. Sure. You know, I think they're put off by the decades worth of stories that's around them. Mm-hmm. So I had a similar sort of experience with the Titans. I think sometimes, I think we've talked about this before because I remember you being appalled yeah. when I told you that I'd never read Batman and the Outsiders. I know, it's shocking. And, and tried to, to convince me to buy the hardcovers. I think the Titans is one of those ones, I think if you got in at the ground level of the Marvin George series and read it all the way through, you would have the knowledge, I think. But I remember the Jeff Johns one. Some demon-type guy, is he related to Raven? Is that right? Trigon. Yeah. Could that be it? Turning up, and I was just like, nope, I don't have a clue. (laughs) I do not have a clue who this guy is. I'm not going to read this series anymore. That's Raven's father, Trigon. Whereas, you know, when DC published Legion of Three Worlds, I was just like having fits at every page practically because <laughs> I remember one of the guys that actually worked in, in FP at the time just saying that he did not have a clue what was going on with it. And I was saying, are you mad? It's mm. this, blah, 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 blah. And explaining because I knew. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yes, back to the plot listeners. Today we're doing issue 16 of Teen Titans and we're going to talk a little bit about 2021 and 22 for this run as well. But issue 16... May 1968, Peter's going to tell us about the frankly magnificent cover. It's stupendous, isn't it? Yep. It's so good. It's one of the best comic covers ever. Yep. It's a white background. There's a giant book mm-hmm. that Aqualad, Kid Flash and Robin are running in front mm-hmm. of. On top of the book are sinister aliens clad in purple with some nasty looking ray guns and they've got horrible green faces. Yep. And they're peering down at the Titans and then one of them at the side is grabbing Wonder Girl and dragging her into the pages of the book. It's so symbolic, it's unbelievable. It's fantastic, yes. Yep. Also, the book is by Nicholas Peter Cardi, yes. the artist of this very tale. His name's at the bottom, like he's the author, it's very clever. Indeed. And the title of the book is Teen Titans in the Dimensional Caper. Mm. Very exciting. It's a beauty. This story actually is reprinted in issue 116 of Brave and Bold, listeners. Ah. which is an issue which Batman teams up with the Spectre. So it's one that we'll be doing. Mm-hmm. And doubtless when we get there in a year or two's time or whatever, we'll mention this issue of Titans. So mm-hmm. be that in mind if you're paying attention and making footnotes and what have you. It's a beautiful cover. It really is. I'm a huge, huge fan of that Cardi. He's you know, the artist for a lot of the issues of this series yeah. around about this time. He's a master. If you haven't got a copy of this one, it's worth tracking down because it's a feast. As usual, we'll stick, the, we'll stick some highlights on the on the socials. It's a beauty, and hopefully we will do it justice. Mm. Right, that's probably enough preamble. Should we get on with the story? Yes, let's jump into the splash page. In a typical Nick Cardi style, it's slightly clever in its construction. There's a sort of rooftop scene showing Kid Flash, Aqualad, Wonder Girl and Robin dropping down a line from a helicopter that's floating above. To the left of them, we have a Teen Titans logo, and there is some text, and the text says, Four bizarrely garbed figures clamber down from a helicopter that's in silent hover above a small town high school. Invaders from outer space? Pranksters out to steal the principal's galoshes? (laughs) No, breathless ones. It's none other than your ever-living Titans. Yeah, it's Titan time again, so don't go away as we deliver the biggest bundle of shocks and surprises the Fab Four have ever received in the epic we modestly call The Dimensional Caper. Yes, the Fab Four. That's a Beatles reference. Fantastic. So, yes, the kids are descending from the helicopter, and as they go, Kid Flash is saying, Hey, Robin, this is the first time I ever tried to sneak into school. And Aqualad says, Check Kid Flash. 
and I think we picked a bad one. From the spelling in that water tower, this isn't exactly a brainstorm joint. <laughs> yes, we should point out that the, the water tower that we can see sort of looming over the trees in the distance has class of 68 written on it, but class is spelt with a K. So underneath Aqualad, hanging from this line from the helicopter, is Wonder Girl, and she says, You've been brainwashed by all that saltwater, Aqualad. Misspelling it is part of the gag. Besides, whoever climbed up there to do it had plenty of intestinal fortitude. And Robin, who's standing at the bottom, holding the line straight for everyone else to climb down, with his cape flapping in the breeze, is saying, In fact, the kid who dobbed his class year on that H2O container is why we're here, team. Now, cool the yak-yak. So, for the page to page two... And in the first panel, and it's worth saying that this whole page is on a slight Dutch tilt, slight angle, the way the panels have been set up. Robin crosses to the outlet for the ventilation duct that reaches down into the building there on top of, and we can hear some voices coming from it. And the first voice says, I tell you, Mr. Walters, your son Chet is emotionally disturbed. Robin beckons to the others and he says, Heart characters, Chet Walters. That's a teenager who asked for our help. And then the voice continues from the duct, saying, this fantastic tale of this school existing in two dimensions simultaneously is an obvious symptom of a mental delusion. And the caption for panel two says, And as the Titans tune in, let's see the scene as they hear it. Yeah, it's a great panel. We're looking down the ventilation shaft, basically down to the office of the school. And we can see Mr. Downs and Chet Walters and Chet's dad. And Mr. Downs is saying, And now this incredible fantasy is upsetting the other students and disrupting school routine. Chet says, no, it's not a fantasy. The school is existing in two dimensions. Don't believe him, Dad. Easy, Chet. Mr. Downs is your principal. He's only trying to help you. Your father's right, Chet. I'm your friend. You need medical attention, understanding of your problems. Mr. Downs tries to put a reassuring hand on Chet's arm, Chet's shoulder. Chet doesn't like it. He pulls away, saying, Don't touch me. I don't need to be psyched by a head shrinker. That other dimension exists. I entered it. You can put me down all you want, but I was there. Chet! exclaims his dad, continuing the next panel. Now you listen to me, young man. This crazy story, it's making me a laughing stock in this town. They're whispering about me where I work. Think of your mother and her feelings. Think of my feelings, Dad. You adults are always worried about one thing. Your own precious image. All that I know is that other dimension exists. I was in it. And this school, the whole town, is in deadly danger from them. Now we're back outside, back on the roof with the, the Titans in the next panel at the top of page three. And Kid Flash says, Them? Oh boy, this Chet kid's been digging too much screaming Mimi movies in the Late 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 Show. <laughs> Amazing. Aqualado Pines. Yeah, he's flipped out and gone clear round the bend. The boy Wonder isn't having it. He says, Who gave you two licenses to play head doctors? Don't hop, skip or jump to any conclusions. Listen. Back in the office, Chet's dad says, Enough. I've heard enough. You're going with me to the clinic for observation. Mr. Downs says, Yes, Chet, it's for your own good. Come along, son. Chet exclaims, What? No, I won't go. Never. So we cut back to the Titans listening through the grill, and Mr. Downs' voice says, Stop him. Look out, cries Chet's dad, and in the next panel with a crash, we see Chet leaping through the office window. That's a fantastic panel. It really is. It's superb. Cardi's his best in this one. We're back up on the roof of the Titans in the next panel. Aqualad says, Mumbling mantas, that kid's really flipped. And we hear Mr. Downs' voice coming from the grill, saying, Hello, police, this is Principal Downs. I want to report a runaway student, Chet Walters. 
He must be picked up at once for his own safety. And we see that Wonder Girl is pointing to Chet, who's legging it. And Wonder Girl says, Great Hira, he's running away. The boy Wonder says in the next panel, Okay, team. Time we stopped eavesdropping and started doing the junior superhero bit. Wonder Girl, keep Chet inside while we get airborne. Roger, Robin, says Wonder Girl, and she leaps off. First panel of page four now, and we see Chet running along beside the playing fields, as we call them in Britain, at the school. And he's thinking, Gotta get away, anywhere, gotta hide. I can't be wrong or sick. I just can't be. There's one boy quite near Chet at the side of the pitch, and it looks like there's a baseball game going on. And this boy cries, Hey guys, it's old Chet, teller of tall tales. And the next panel, this obviously is sort of indicating Chet's sort of mental state, I suppose, because mm. it's almost his point of view with their grotesquely distorted close-ups of the faces of some of the other pupils as Chet runs past them. And in turn, the other kids are saying, Yeah, his weirdo tails are so tall, they're out of sight. Yo, Chet, you popped into any good dimensions lately. Man, he's freaked out. Strictly Cooksville. Hey, look at me. This, this kid is pulling a very distorted face and making his hands look like claws, and he's saying, I'm the beast from Dimension X. I eat high schools alive. <laughs> Chet continues to run in the next panel, and he's thinking, Even my own classmates think I've fallen out of my tree. Sally. She won't let me down. After all, she's my chick. Yeah, and as he runs, we see an attractive blonde girl, very much in the Gwen Stacy mode, moving along in front of him. Chet calls to her. Sally! But she turns her head in the next panel, ignoring him, and says, Sorry, lover. I can't see any guy who goes around telling kooky stories. Terrible for a girl's reputation, and very uncool. You don't exist. You're in some other dimension. Goodbye. Sally, baby, please, I... Chet gets a close-up in the next panel, looking very pained, and he says, That sunk it. When a guy's chick turns off, he's really wasted. And we see in the background that Wonder Girl is flying down towards him, and she's thinking, Here's one chick who hasn't deserted you, Chet. And the final panel, page four, Wonder Girl has flown down, grabbed Chet by his belt, and borne him up into the air, saying, Looks like just in the nick of time, cute and curly. Come on, we've got a rendezvous to make. And Chet exclaims, what? Wonder Girl! The Titans! You got here! Yeah, at the top of page five, Wonder Girl is alighting, dropping Chet down the ground in front of Robin, Wally and Garth. And Robin is saying, Greetings Chet from your amiable local junior superheroes. Chet replies, I knew you'd come and help me, Titans. You're famous for not letting your fellow teens down. We do try harder. Okay, Chet, let's have your story, straight as you can make it. The next panel's an insert of Chet as he points back towards the school building, saying, Well, like I climbed up on the water tower to paint my class here on it. The guys dared me, man. I was scared, but I didn't want to look chicken. Chet narrates the next few panels, and the first one stretches the remainder of the distance of the page and shows him, indeed, painting class of 68 on top of the water tower. His narration goes, It was real windy up there, and I just about finished painting. And then, in this reminiscence, Chet says, Hey, that rivet! It's got a splotch of different coloured paint on it. A weird glowing greenish? So Chet narrates the next panel. I just touched that one rivet out of all the zillions in the tank and pow! And it's a very trippy panel showing a very loose-limbed Chet who's hanging upside down surrounded by swirling psychedelic colours and he cries, Hey, what's happening? And then he narrates the next panel saying, I hadn't freaked out like that since I played spin the bottle at my sixth birthday party. <laughs> And when the universe stopped flipping... Yeah, we see that Chet is now standing in a corridor, and he thinks... The school. Somehow I'm subtly in the school, but it can't be. And they, they can't be either. 
And we see that Chet has swirled around and spotted some of the purple-wearing, green-faced aliens that we saw on the cover. And this final panel on this page is narrated by Chet, and he says, They were a bunch of characters in funny outfits with crazy guns, and they were after me. Yeah, they're pointing their guns at Chet, who's running away. We can see him in the background of the panel. And the alien cries, An intruder has crossed the warp! Seize him! So we arrive at the top of page six. It's only page six. This is packed. And Chet's narration for the first panel says, I ran. I ran like I never had for the track team of dear old Hillsdale High. Yeah, and we see Chet in silhouette running down a flight of stairs. One of the aliens cries, Use your weapons. He must not escape to warn the other dimension of our invasion. And Chet cries, Yow! As two bright bursts of almost laser beam type energy cracking at the wall behind him. Chet narrates the next caption, saying, I didn't know how to escape that dimension or whatever it was I was in, so I just raced outside the school front door. We see Chet has bombed down some stairs. The aliens are firing after him. And it's quite nice, actually, with the energy blast bouncing off the side of the panels. It's very effective. Mm-hmm. And as he runs, Chet says, If the coach could see me now, I'd win my ever-loving letter in capitals. And then Chet's narration for the next panel. Then, suddenly, it was like I hit a wall. A solid, invisible wall just around the school, and... Well, we see where Chet is, and he very helpfully narrates it in a thought bubble. I'm... I'm back. Back on the tower. The rivet's still glowing. These strange beings, that other... Gone! Dimension. I've got to warn everybody. Tremendous. So we're back with the Titans now, and Chet. And Chet's saying to Robin... Now everybody says I'm grotty-brained, but... But I know I was there. I'm sure I saw those weirdos and heard them say they were planning to invade our dimension... You gotta believe me, boy wonder. Easy, Chet, reaffirms Robin. Aqualad pipes in with... Psst! Robin, you don't buy that yarn, do you? It's out of a brand yeesh comic mag. Kid Flash says... Check, even if it's true, which it isn't. This isn't our kind of gig, tangling with weirdos from other dimensions. But Robin's thinking, I could tell them about Gargle, and the dimension called Limbo, but they were all spellbound phantoms in that adventure. None of them remember one moment of it. So I better make a speech. That's Robin obviously making a continuity reference to a story that neither of us have bothered to look up. No. <laughs> Not to worry. So Robin then says out loud to round out page six. Listen, team, one thing we've learned in our careers, you can't always believe the obvious. And never label anybody's story or character until you're absolutely sure of all the facts. Right? Right. right. So we're now at the top of page seven. And Chet and the Titans are running off back towards the school buildings. Kid Flash says, Okay, peerless leader, you've reminded us of our Titan Oath. Now, what's the drill? And Robin replies, The drill, Scarlet Speedster, is for us to go, go, go into this Dimension X, if it exists. Aqualad exclaims, Wailing Wolffish! And Wonder Girl cries, Merciful Minerva! Oh, good. I could add that to my grand tally. I wish I'd kept a tally all the way through. <laughs> Times a Wonder character said Merciful Minerva. Anyway. Caption for the next panel then says, Waylon Minerva? Is Boy Wonder serious? Isn't he always? And soon? Yeah. This next panel shows the kids basically climbing through a barbed wire fence. It looks very dangerous. Kid Flash has got through first. Robin is holding the wire up so Aqualad can get through. And it looks as though Aqualad is speaking, but we've figured out this speech bubble actually belongs to Chet. So Chet is saying, Here's the tower. Mr. Downs, the principal, made it off limits and put up this fence. Since I told my story... And as Robin holds up the barbed wire, he says, OK, team, let's wiggle through and do a recon. Wonder Girl says from behind him, You boys can wiggle. 
I'll just do the Amazon hop. Too bad there's no music. And in the caption for the next panel says... Then, as the Fab Four and Chet Walters start up the towering structure... Yep, we see Robin climbing up the ladder to the top of the tower. We can see Aqualad behind him. One of the girls obviously flying up by her own power. Robin suddenly says... Hey, up there, on the tank catwalk, somebody ahead of us. And sure enough, we can see what well, looks like a pair of feet poking over the side of the of the catwalk. One of the girls says, I see him, Robin. I'll fly up and see who it is. And the next panel, again, this whole other page is the perspective on it is slightly skew if because Mr. Cardi is so clever. One of the girls has flown around the top of the tower and she says, Gone! He's gone! Or was he never here? And again, we get a great shot of the Class of 68 graffiti on top of the tower. In the next panel, the rest of the Titans have made it to the top of the ladder. They're all standing on the, the catwalk in a line. And one of the girls alights and says, Perhaps you imagined you saw someone up here, Robin. And Chet says, Well, I didn't imagine I saw that green rivet before. There it is. Yep, and Robin at the front of the, the little line is pointing at the, the rivet that Chet was telling us about earlier on. And Robin says, Check, Chet. And here I go to press it. Stand by, team. And then the caption for the first panel on page eight says, Now as the dutiful digit of the Titans leader touches the glowing metal stud. All heck breaks loose. Another burst of psychedelic colours and the Titans are falling and tripping and holding hands just so they don't all get torn away from each other. And Chet cries, It's happening again. Hang on. Hang on to each other, says Robin. We can see it looks like Aqualad's gone totally adrift. Chet's got a hold of Wonder Girl. Kid Flash is holding on to their hand as well. The caption for the next panel. Within a fraction of an instant that seems an eternity... Things have settled down. They're standing in a corridor and Chet says... It worked. We're across the dimension warp and back in the school. Shades of Pluto, cries Wonder Girl, because a couple of the purple-robed, green-faced aliens have arrived. Kid Flash says... Shades of the Teen Titans, because that's what we'll end up as if these characters are as nasty as they look. One of the nasty aliens says... More intruders! Surround them! They must not recross the warp! And Robin says... Run to daylight, team. Chet, you know this place. Losers in it. And then a caption at the end of this panel says... End of part one. Part two continues on third page following. Yep, over the page we have an advertisement for the 80-page giant Batman 203. There's a Caps Hobby Hints. It makes use of a, an old plastic butter dish to show off your model toy cars, which is marvellous. And then we arrive at the top of page nine. Chapter two. The, the Dimensional, dimensional caper. caper. And a nice little bit of text says... The Titans, along with their new friend, the runaway teenager Chet Walter, have just matriculated in Hillsdale High, but like our heroes have enrolled in the wrong dimension. Yep, it's all kicking off straight away. The Titans and Chet are almost at a crossroads here. Look down one corridor, we can see some aliens, and some more aliens running down the other corridor behind them. Aqualad says, Holy hackfish! It's the same exact school, only instead of kids cruising the halls, it's got these jokers. Aqualad obviously being played by Nicholas Sturgeon, listeners. Kid Flash remarks, Yeah, how can this Think Factory be there and here at the same time? And a very moodily lit Robin says, If we had time, I'd lecture on the indundance factor of the time-space continuum, but school's out. Coming through a sort of speaker on the wall was a voice saying, Attention! Seek and destroy squads! Round up the intruders! They must not escape. And Chet says, Titans, in here. And he points. And the next panel shows them all bursting through an open door into a classroom that's full of aliens. Robin exclaims, Uh-oh, class in session. Kid Flash says, Let's bug out. I never did dig this subject. And Wonder Girl says, Bug out to where, Twinkle Toes? Those aren't student monitors in the halls. And the alien who's writing on the blackboard with chalk yells, The intruders! Seize them! 
Aqualad says in the next panel, We're trapped and we can't fight these characters and their buddies in the hall. Kid Flash rushes forward, starting to turn and twist, creating a few whirlwinds, and he says, I'd rather switch than fight into super speed gear. Excuse me, teach. And he grabs a couple of dusters. Now, young people who are listening might not be aware that what we used to have to do in schools was we wrote on blackboards, which were large, generally sometimes just sort of black vinyl or black slate. We wrote on them with chalk. And you use something called a duster to wipe the chalk off so that you could then write something else on the blackboard. It used to be a treat in our primary school to go outside and throw the dusters around to try and get some of the chalk off them. I managed to be able to do that a couple of times. <laughs> so that's actually what Wally starts to do in the first panel of page 10. He starts banging the dusters together, creating a cloud of chalk dust. And indeed he remarks, Erasers to make with a little choke screen. And we get some <coughs> 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 sound effects and aliens and a couple of poof. Poof! Sound effects as Wally zooms about, hammering the dusters against each other. So the caption for panel 2 of page 10 says, And as the class of dimensional beings gropes in the white dust... So Robin and Wonder Girl are now back at the, the doorway of the classroom, and Robin says, Chalk, one up for Fleet Feet. Wonder Girl, can you clear those creeps from the hall? One creep clearing magic lasso at your service, Robin. We see Wonder Girl taking her lasso from her belt, and then she has flung it forward in the next panel. As a bunch of aliens rush forward, one of them says, The intruders have entered that room. We have them now. But another one has spotted the snaking powerful lasso and he says, That strange glowing cable, look out. Excellent. And then the caption for the next panel. And as the lethal lariat suddenly tightens and exerts its super tensile properties. Wonder Girl pulls it tight and all the aliens trip and fall over it with an oog and an oof oof, and an oog. In the next panel, the kids rush from the classroom and step over and run away over past the fallen aliens. Robin saying, That racks them up. Now, Chet boy, get us out of this area. It's overrun with those search and destroy goons. And Chet says, Follow me, Titans. We follow Chet and the Titans into page 11. The caption for the first panel says, But as the Fab Four and their companion race to another level in the sprawling school... Yeah, it was another interesting shot here. We see the silhouettes of some alien feet as the Titans and Chet rush to the top of a flight of stairs. Aqualad says, Bad scene! More of those weirdos! <laughs> I'm going to put a not appearing of the next episode tweet up with a photograph of Jimmy Cranky. <laughs> Kid Flash says, Yeah, and the only guidance they're giving is bad for a growing boy's health. Chet's found an open doorway, it looks like, and he says, This way, fast! The next panel, we actually get a bit of clarification. It's a slot in the wall that's labelled Book Drop. Chet has climbed into it. And he says, The Book Drop, Titans. The slot's just big enough for beings our age and size. And Kid Flash says, I get it. Those bozos will be stopped by the generation cap then. <laughs> Enough with the jokes, Kid Flash, says Robin. Let's slide, gang. Caption for the next panel. Quickly, the gear group hurtles one by one into the opening. The gear group, I love it. Yeah, one of the girls already arrived in this panel by the time we get there. Aqualad's behind her and we can see a great shot of Robin's feet emerging from this little ducting. It looks as though there's maybe a big sort of dumpster type thing that they're landing in or on where mm -hmm. these books are obviously dropped into. I don't approve of books being flung down a no. ventilation duct. Think of the spine damage. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Aqualad is saying in this panel, Is this where old books go when they die? When their girl's not into it, she says, No, it's where the old jokes go when a girl's sick of hearing them. Aqualad exclaims in the next panel, Fabulous flatfish! Those seeking clobber characters are like everywhere! Yep, and we can see here that they're in a sort of library, we can see the tall bookcases, and there's an opening doorway, and the silhouettes of some aliens that have spotted them. 
a radio-type voice is coming from a speaker above the doorway, and it says, The intruders are in the library stacks. Converge. Shoot to kill if they resist. Wonder Girl in close-up says, By Hira, I can go back up that chute, but what about you boys? Robin says, We boys are going to toss the books at them. Like so. Kid Flash says, Hey, boy Wonder made a funny. And we see that Robin and Kid Flash are now starting to tip over the, the tall bookshelves, and Robin says, Start shoving! Or this whole scene will be most unfunny. One of the aliens, who has got some books falling on him, pointing his gun, says, Shoot to kill! Top of page 12 now, we can see all the bookcases being tipped over on top of the aliens. This gives me pain, as someone who loves books more than anything else. Wonder Girl is saying, Shoot to kill! That is a new note! Kid Flash says, Yeah, Wonder Baby, a sour note for us! Robin says, Ouch! Less wisecracks and more shoving, team! And then one of the aliens who's firing his gun says, Fire! Blast them! Oof! Back! Retreat! Yep, because the bookcases and stuff are falling on top of them. The kids are climbing over the books in the next panel. Wonder Girl was saying, What a mess! Merciful Minerva, I just thought, are the same things we do here also happening to the school back in our own dimension? Kid Flash climbing behind her says, I hope not, because we sure lost up the library filing system. Hey, Robin, what's the answer to that nitty-gritty? What happens here doesn't happen there, or else we'd have known of this crazy setup before Chet first crossed the warp. Now, let's get moving. Next panel shows him running along corridor. There's a door with boil room, helpfully written on it. Aqualad says, Dragging dogfish, I'm getting pooped. What is my way of going? We just can't keep running forever. Robin says, We have to keep moving until we can find out exactly what these beings are up to, and how they plan to do it. Chet's at the door and he says, Best place to hide should be the boiler room, except that door's three-inch steel and locked. Three-inch steel. That's a joke there somewhere. Wonder Girl starts hammering on the steel door on the next panel, and she says, Door's opened while you wait, boys. Robin says, Beautiful. We can't wait another second out here. They make their way into the boiler room in the next panel, and there's obviously another speaker, because we can hear the Tannoy radio voice saying, Attention! All search and destroy squads! We have lost contact with the intruders. Deploy for total reconnaissance. Repeat, deploy for total reconnaissance. As the steel door to the boiler room swings open, Kid Flash says, Man, we've given them the slip, but for how long? Robin replies, I don't know, but two things need answering. If these jokers are planning to invade our dimension, what are they waiting for? And who was that figure we spotted in the water tower before we crossed the warp? Those are good questions. Mm. So we arrive at the top of page 13 now. We're all inside the boiler room. Aqualad says, That's an easy one, boy genius. They're waiting till final exams are over and the guy we saw was a truant officer looking for... Oops. But, uh, uh-oh, Aqualad has backed into a fire alarm. Oh, no. You can see that clearly labelled on the wall behind him. So obviously what the switches are. And that mm. woo sound effect starts. Chet remarks, That tore it. The school fire alarm. Robin says, Nice work, damp brain. They'll be on our necks in no time. Clear out, team. However, they're too late. As they cross to the door, a bunch of aliens are rushing towards them. You can still see the, the siren going in the background. Robin says, Speaking of nasty people, look who's here. And one of the aliens replies, You're trapped this time, intruders. There is only one exit, and our weapons are trained on your fragile humanoid bodies. Now, we should have said in panel one, Next to the fire alarm, there's also a clearly labelled fire hose, and that's what Aqualad has grabbed in panel three. He switched it on, and he unleashes this torrent all over the aliens, saying, Humanoid bodies, eh? I may not be built like Hercules, but it's mine. 
All mine. And there's a massive sploosh sound effect as he soaks the aliens. And that's quite good because he was just talking about being a bit dehydrated himself, so that's obviously going to help him. Maybe he'll have stuck yes. his head under it, first of all. Certainly refreshing. Yeah. Hmm. Robin's delighted. He says, Out away, Gilhead. You've made up for that boo-boo. They all start running off through the water on the final panel of page 13. Robin's saying, Looks like we're on the run again. So, caption for the first panel on page 14 says, Any place left for the Titans to go now? You just bet there is. So they open another doorway. Kid Flash is saying, Where are we now? And Aqualad very helpfully describes what they see in front of them. The gym, Natskull. Or did you think that trampoline was a blanket taking an afternoon stretch? Robin says, Fan out, team. Those goons that Aqualad soaked will be here in no time. And then we get a massive... Then... For the next caption. And some very grumpy and angry and very wet-looking <laughs> aliens emerge through a doorway. And one of them's saying... Caution! These are very tricky, these young ones from the other dimension. This time, shoot the instant they show themselves. But they're too late because the Titans basically mob them. In the next panel, Robin hurls a giant medicine ball or a basketball. One of the aliens making him drop his gun. One of the girls swoops down, grabs a couple of aliens... Aqualad swings on an A-frame and Wally bounces on a trampoline <laughs> going feet first into one of the aliens that Wonder Girl has swept up. The caption for the final panel on page 14 says So unexpected is the onslaught of the Titans and their teenage ally. Yep, as Kid Flash hurtles into one of the aliens, he says Just call me the human bowling ball. To me, Twinkle Toes, you'll always be the daring young man on the flying trampoline, says Wonder Girl. It's a great shot of Aqualad bouncing over a gym horse and colliding with a couple of aliens. <laughs> and then Robin, yeah, it's definitely a medicine ball that he's lamped this guy with. Robin says, hit him again, gang. Break through. Top of page 15 now, the caption of the first panel. Again, the fantabulous foursome and Chet Walters evade capture. Or worse. And soon... Yeah, so they're now creeping along a darkened, moody corridor here. There's a... Sign in a doorway next to them that says Physics Laboratory, and that's presumably the room that's approaching. Now we can see that there's a light on in the room and the silhouette of a couple of figures. Chet says, We haven't tried this part of the school yet. Robin is pointing. It looks almost like he's raising his finger up to his lips as if to shush the other ones, and he's saying, Those voices. I think we've hit the jackpot, Chet. Easy, team. So the two silhouetted figures that we can see in this first panel, one of them is saying, Enough. Enough of your slowness. The machine must be finished at once. I cannot remain the only one who can pass through the warp. But leader one, we are working fast as possible, replies the chap that's with him. In the next panel, leader one says, Now there is little time. These infernal teen titans found out about the warp. The first intruder, the boy called Chet, led them to it. And we can see the titans have ducked down behind a couple of the laboratory benches so they can see what's and hear what's going on. And Chet says, Hey, that guy in the regular outfit, his voice is real familiar. Yeah, because we get a bit of a better look in the next panel. We can see it looks like it's some of the aliens, and it is a very familiar figure. The alien chap who's with him says, We will do our best, Leader One, but a teleportational machine that will enable our body molecules to pass the dimensional barrier without harm is no easy task. You yourself, being a mutant, must remain the only one who can pass the warp for a short while longer. And then... Leader One, in close-up, says, Very well. Once those titans are caught, I will go back and resume my other role. Chet exclaims in the next panel, It can't be, but it is. The leader, it's Mr. Downs, my principal. And Robin says, Holy impersonations! You're right, Chet. No wonder he was so eager to paste the cook label on you. 
And he must have been the guy we saw on the tower, Aqualad says. Cuddling cuttlefish, what do we do now? That teleportation machine. Unless we destroy it, all those weirdos may spill over into our dimension. And it won't be a social call either. Kid Flash, can you put that thing out of action? Says Robin. Kid Flash replies. Action is my middle name. Here I go, go, go. And we're at the top of page 16 now. The caption for the first panel says, Faster than the eye can follow, the Scarlet Speedster streaks from concealment right at the sinister mechanism. Yes, a great panel. Wally zooming and zipping, rather, given the sound effect, into action. Rushing past the aliens and Mr. Downs, Mr. Downs says, What? What was that? And the alien replies, A tremor! A vibration from the machine, perhaps! Caption for the next panel. And then, as the junior Wizard of Wiz vibrates this molecule so he passes into the machine itself... This is great. We see Wally indeed vibrating into the heart of the machinery. There's hums and brums and beep-beep-beep sound effects coming from it. One of the aliens exclaims, The machine! It's overreacting! And another alien shouts, Stop it! Caption, however, for the next panel. The next instant... We're back with Robin and the others outside the physics laboratory. As Wonder Girl exclaims, Great Athena, what's happening? And we can see, looks like Mark Twain, frankly, and some <laughs> yeah. lads standing behind them, shaded in grey. Wonder Girl continues, what's happening? Those figures fading into view. And then Chet says, Mr. Farnham, my physics teacher, some of my chums. And Robin says, oh no, Kid Flash has jammed the machine and both dimensions are becoming one. End, End of part two. Part three, three continues on, on the next page. Gosh, very exciting. We haven't had dimensions starting to combine into one probably since that time the Spectre was trying to stop the two Earths colliding and yes. the JLA-JSC uh-huh. team up a couple of years ago. This is exciting. Yes, hoping the Teen Titans are up to the task. I'm sure they will be. We've got about seven pages to find out, listeners. And then there's <laughs> lots more besides after this. Whoa! So, top of page 17. Chapter, chapter three, 3. The, the dimensional, dimensional Caper. caper. The caption for the first panel on page 17 says, There's only one problem with a high school existing in two dimensions at once. What happens when the dimensional wires get crossed? Well, right now, that is what's happening, baby. (laughs) So, Robin and his pals emerge from behind the bench they were hiding behind. Robin saying, Holy warps! Kid Flash, he jammed the machine and both dimensions have blended. Just what we didn't want to have happen. Mr. Downs looks very happy in his shady, moody situation in this panel, and he says, Marvellous. Somehow the machine has finished your work for you, fools. And his alien lackey sidekick says, But, but leader one, that is impossible. Nevertheless, it has occurred. Attention all units. We are across the warp. The invasion has begun. Seize all inhabitants of this dimension. Wow, this is so exciting. So we're with Mr. Farnham and a couple of pupils that he was with in this next panel. One of the boys says, Mr. Farnham, a crazy machine and Mr. Downs the principal with those two weirdos. What gives? And Mr. Farnham says, I, I don't know. One of the other kids who's with him says, Look over there. It's the Teen Titans. And Chet Walters, the cookie kid who ran away. Caption for panel three then. Instance later, as a search-and-destroy squad answers their leader's summons... Yep, a whole bunch of the purple and green aliens arrive through the door of the physics lab, bearing guns. Leader 1, Mr. Downs, yells... Seize them! And one of the pupils with Mr. Farnham says... More of these grotty goons? Wow, I get it. Chet was right. There is another dimension, and now the whole school's in it. Titans! 
Help us! The caption for the final panel on page 17 says, Well, wouldn't you just know it? At this <laughs> moment, vibrating back out of the teleportation machine comes... With a frush! Wally West himself rushes past, sending the aliens flying, and he says, Have no fear, Kid Flash is here! Chet's delighted, he cries. Yay, it's the Scarlet Speedster! First panel of page 18 now. This is great because Wally's running backwards as the others follow him. Kid Flash says, How'd I do, dear hearts? And Robin says, You goofed colossally. Come on. We've got to split up and lead these dimension thugs away from this lab class and alert the rest of the school. And then a baddie voice from inside the room that they're leaving shouts after them, The Teen Titans! After them! (laughs) Someone with constipation by the sense of things. So, the caption for the next panel says, Now as the Fab Four diverge through the rambling school. Robin opens a classroom door. We see the female teacher reading from a book to her pupils. Robin says, Pardon me, ma'am, but class is dismissed. Follow me. You're all in deadly danger. The teacher replies, What? I don't understand. And her pupil says, It's Robin the Boy Wonder, teach. He never kids. Let's go, cats. Caption for the next panel. But as the students rush to follow Robin... Very helpfully, the boy wonder has some dialogue when he says, Oh no, they're fading away. And sure enough, the teacher and pupils are growing translucent and fading out. The caption for the next panel. And as the class and teacher totally vanish... Robin's running up a flight of stairs away from the green and purple aliens and he's saying, Only one answer. The machine's really gone wacky. It's switching us back and forth across the warp from one dimension to the other. And it's switching those killer characters right along with us. Caption for the next panel. At this moment in the school auditorium. Yeah, we see Wonder Girl flying over the empty chairs. And there's a bit of a balcony set going on. And as she flies, she's saying, By Hira, a notice said there was a rehearsal of Romeo and Juliet going on here. But it's deserted. Yeah, we can see an empty balcony in front of her. However, as we cross the page to page 19, a couple of costumed youths suddenly appear. And Juliet says, Oh, Romeo, Romeo. Wherefore art thou, Romeo? And Leonardo DiCaprio down on the stage says, Tis the East, and Wonder Girl is the sun. Huh? Wonder Girl? Yep, and Wonder Girl's appeared in the balcony beside Juliet. Wonder Girl's saying, Shades of Pluto, the dimension must have switched. Caption for the next panel. And as some dimensional beings rush in. A few of the purple and green aliens rush in. Wonder Girl rushes to fight them. From the balcony, Juliet, who's totally dropped out of character, cries, Ah, Eddie, don't desert me! <laughs> and Eddie, a.k.a. Romeo, down on the stage says, Got to Marcia, Wonder Girl needs my keen blade, yeah? As if he's going to pull his sword, but Wonder Girl says, Right as rain, Romeo, and these gatecrashers need their tickets punched! Fantastic dialogue there. <laughs> wow, right, we changed another part of the school in the next panel. I would kill to see this as a movie. This would be amazing. <laughs> the caption for the next panel says, Meantime in the school pool. Yeah, there's a bunch of kids throwing a ball around the pool, having a great time. One boy sat on the edge, spots Aqualad running in and says, Hey, it's Aqualad. Greetings, Marine Marvel. Everybody, out of the pool. The school's being invaded by dimensional zombies. <laughs> I kid you not, guys. Caption for the next panel. But now... Aqualad swirls around as the door opens and some of the aliens bust in, firing at him. Aqualad says, Stumbling starfish. The swimmers are melting away and some of those Dimension X nasties are arriving. Yeah, we don't actually see the, the kids in the pool fading out, but not to worry, we do see the aliens arriving and blasting. Aqualad leaps forward, takes a dive and says, Got to hunt a water cover. 
The aliens in the next panel have stopped at the side of the pool. They're looking down, pointing their guns into the water. One of them says, Surround the pool! These humans cannot breathe in water! Soon he must show himself and face our weapon! <laughs> That's what you think, matey. He's fine. So, continued on second page following. As we arrive at the top of page 20, the caption of the first panel says, But as time ticks by... Yep, the aliens have obviously been here for a while. One of the aliens, bearing a gun, says, He remains submerged! This is not possible! He must be dead! And then he exclaims, What?! Because Aqualad has reached up from the pool and grabbed one of the other aliens round the ankle and flipped him into the water, and then proceeds over the next couple of panels to either reach out and grab other aliens to flip them into the water or kick out of the pool, knocking aliens out, generally just dealing with them. So the caption for panel five says, Within moments... Aqualad's done it. He jumps out of the pool saying, That washes them out of my hair. Guess they never met a normal red-blooded water-breathing kid before. Huh. Robinson the wrist radio. Yep, the crackly Boy Wonders voice comes through saying, Robin to team, rendezvous in the cafeteria, like fast. Aqualad says, Groovy, that workout gave me an appetite. Shortly, as the Titans 4 regroup. Robin seems to be the last one arriving because we can see Kid Flash and Aqualad helping themselves to the buffet. There looks like some hot dogs there. That's making me hungry. Kid Flash is saying, Ah, the familiar aroma of hot dogs, soup and potato chips. School days, school days. Aqualad says, Hmm, think I'll have me a Frank. <laughs> Wonder Girl turns and sees Robin arriving and Wonder Girl says, Here comes Boy Wonder. What's happening, Robin? Now, there's a little burst of energy in the next panel. Aqualad looks very unhappy as he says, Murmuring Moonfish. That dog. All the food faded away. And Robin says, Natch, Gilhead. Kid Flash freaked out that teleportation gadget so badly it's tossing us back and forth across the warp like ping-pong balls. That hot dog's in a regular dimension, and so were we, until a second ago. That explains where those water polo players went. What do we do now, Robin? We try to somehow keep those dimension characters on their side of the warp before they harm anybody on our side. Say, where's Chet? Wonder Girl says, I haven't seen him. Kid Flash says, We must have lost him. Robin concludes, The machine! It's the answer! We've got to get to it! Let's go! The caption for the next panel. But, as the Titans race toward the lab... Gosh, we see that Chet is actually fighting. Fisticuffs, he's wrestling with Mr. Downs. Mr. Downs is saying... You impudent boy, you're fighting in a lost cause. You, those interfering Titans, all humans, are doomed to be conquered by us. Not if I can help it, Buster. Caption for the next panel. Suddenly, Chet Walters explodes with an all-out surge of strength. Yes, fantastic Chet. He manages to completely knock over Mr. Downs, saying, There, that's for labelling me a cook. But as he goes down, Mr. Downs fires his pistol into the machinery behind him. And we have a helpful caption in the next panel that says, As the ray pistol fires into the complicated mechanism, destroying it. We see the Titans heading along a corridor towards a couple of aliens. Um, one of the aliens says, Those foolish titans! They run unwinking into our weapons! They are doomed! Robin cries, Keep going, team! We gotta get to the machine! And then... Suddenly... A massive caption there, and suddenly indeed, the titans are back, twisting and turning through the multicoloured loopy dimensional warp. Wonder Girl says, Merciful Minerva! Take a drink, listeners. Now what's happening? Robin says, The warp! We're being tossed back across it. And when the whirling floating is over... It seems to be in another science classroom. Aqualad says, Wow, that was Tripsville, but it sure got rid of that wipeout squad. We must be back in our own dimension. 
That means something happened to the machine. Come on, says Robin. All urgency now as we arrive at the top of page 22. Inside the lab. Yep, the tank's arrived. There's a dirty black mess on the floor, Aqualad says. The machine's gone. Only a scorch mark where it was. Wonder Girl notices a detail and she says, That piece of cloth from Chet's sweater? And Robin responds, Holy teleportation! The machine must have freaked out completely and Chet's in the other dimension alone with those beings. The water tower! It's our only chance! Frantic for the safety of their newfound friend, the Fab Four rush from the school. As they run across the grass, Robin is saying, We can use the water tower to recross the warp and get Chet. Kid Flash, zoom up there! Wally says, Too late. Even for me, Robin, look, that tower's got the heebie-jeebies. The caption for the next panel. And the next moment. Very helpfully, Aqualad points and says, The tower! It's exploding! Collapsing! Yeah, we see the tower collapsing, the container at the top bursting open. Robin says, The warp's gone! Chet's trapped in the other dimension! Kid Flash says in the next panel, Maybe it's not trapped, Robin. If I can just get up enough speed to vibrate across the barrier. What? Impossible! Even you can't twinkle that fast! Don't be a doubting Robin. I can try. There's nothing else left. Here I go. Wally West, man. Wally West, the caption for the next panel. Now begins a race, the like of which even the Scarlet Speedster has never run. Yeah, we see Wally accelerating at massive speed, running loops and circles round where the rest of his friends are standing. And he says, Got to reach a velocity I never attained before. Caption for the next panel. Faster... Faster, even faster, streaks the boy bullet. Yep, and we see Aqualad and Robin and Wonder Girl standing as Wally has just become a blur as he runs a massive circle around them. His colleagues shout, Go, Go Flash, Flash Kid! Go go go, 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 go! And then we arrive at the top of page 23. The caption for the first panel says, Through the sound barrier, the time barrier, races the junior Wizard of Wiz. And then... And in this panel, we see Chet being held by a couple of the aliens, and one of them is pointing a gun at him, saying, You have harmed Leader One and destroyed our machine. You will be executed now. But then there's a burst of energy, and Kid Flash materialises through the wall, accelerating towards them, saying, I'm through the dimension barrier, and just in time. Caption for the next panel. Instantly, the Go-Go Commando grabs the bewildered student. While he zooms forward, grabs Chet, and Chet says, Kid Flash! Kid Flash says, Gotcha, Chet boy. There's a massive crack sound effect behind them, and the aliens don't look too happy. The caption for the next panel then says, Never slackening his fantastic vibratory velocity, the Scarlet Speedster starts back across the dimensional barrier. Gosh, this is amazing. This is Wally vibrating between dimensions. Amazing. So he's Wally and Chet are almost in silhouette. In fact, we just see their outline in white as everything seems to be collapsing around them. There's a massive rumble and it looks like the school's falling down. Kid Flash says, The school? It's reacting to my energy waves, falling apart. And in the caption for the next panel... A split second later, as anxious tightened eyes scan the running track of Hillsdale High... There's a burst of energy in the middle of the air, and Wally and Chet arrive back on our own dimension. Aqualad says... It's them! The Flasher did it! And Wally says... Robin, in the other dimension the school's collapsing. Bad news! That means it could do the same in this dimension. It's got to be evacuated! Like now, cries the boy wonder. The caption for the next panel. Maybe a school has been cleared of students and faculty faster than Hillsdale High this day, but we doubt it. Yeah, we see Mr. Farnham and some of his pupils and some of the other staff standing there. Mr. Farnham says, I never believed you, Chet, but I believe you now, after what's happened. But why are we out here? 
Chet says, That's why, Mr. Farnham. And he's pointing towards the school. Now we can see Sally standing behind him there. That's quite interesting. But then one of the other boys points at the school and he says, The school? It's glowing. Yes, there's a massive energy aura appearing in the air above the school. And then in the final panel of page 23, there's a massive radiant burst. It's glowing brighter and brighter. In fact, one of the onlookers indeed says, Glowing brighter? Maybe it's going to be destroyed. Stay back, everybody. And then, first panel at the top of page 24, Chet says, It stopped. Old Alma Matter looks the same as it ever did. Yeah, the glowing has stopped. Robin remarks, Check, Chet. My guess is the school, as it exists in the other dimension, has been destroyed. That glow was probably a feedback into our own dimension. Accolade says, Weeping weak fish. Then those dimensional beings are gone too. Forever. Let's hope so. The late Mr. Downs was no doubt planted in our dimension some time ago and took the job as principal to better organise the invasion says Robin. Mr. Farnham, looking incredibly like Mark Twain or Albert Einstein, says, My stars! To think Hillsdale High was their secret base and we never knew it! And if Chet hadn't stumbled onto it, we still wouldn't know it. And so the final panel of the story looks so a little bit of time has passed. We see Chet and his dad reconciled. Chet's dad is shaking hands with Robin as the Titans make the leave and Chet's dad says to his son, I apologise, son, to think I doubted you. Thought you were emotionally disturbed. It's okay, Dad. Sometimes I didn't believe it myself. It was the Titans who made believers of everybody. Thanks, team. In the background, we see Kid Flash and Aqualad making their way into the helicopter that dropped them off. One of the girls leaving too. Robin says, by way of farewell, Our pleasure, Chet. Have copter. We'll tangle with trouble in this or any other dimension. Adios. And then a closing caption box says, And in this or any other dimension, the Teen Titans would still swing as sweet. So, fantastic ones, fly with the Fab Four in the next issue. And the next. And the... And it fades out. So, the yeah. end. The dimensional caper. That was great fun. That was far out, man. <laughs> that was a riot. That was great. I don't have... <laughs> I honestly don't have too much to say other than the artwork was amazing. The pace was amazing. Mm. I loved the characterization of the kids. The aliens, I loved how they were sort of mob-handed and quite... Yeah. There was just loads of them and they were so generic as to be unbelievable. Exactly. It was fantastic. That was a lot of fun. What did you think? Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's a refreshing change of pace. Got a couple of points I want to make. Kid Flash's comment about not usually going to other dimensions. It's Kid Flash. He goes to them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean he, he popped over to Earth too casually off his own back in one of the episodes we did a while back. Yeah. So yeah, he's totally used to that sort of stuff. The merging of the dimensions kind of reminded me of the anti-matter man JSA that you were talking about when people popped mm. off one and appeared in the other. Yes, that was a lot of fun. I did enjoy that. Yeah, the Titans helicopter I find hilarious because after they climbed down from it, where did it go? <laughs> <laughs> Who flies it? That's what I want to know. Who's the pilot? I don't know. I think it just flies itself. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? I, I'm not as au with Titan's equipment as I should be. Perhaps I should do some thorough research on that. Yes. Coming soon, Peter's spin-off podcast, the Teen Titans equipment podcast. Yes. And of course, my choice of voice for Aqualad harkens back to our Aquaman episode where we established <laughs> the, the, the Atlantean accent is very similar to a Scottish accent. Yes. Robbing it of all tension and drama as we go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we should say the artwork was gorgeous. Mm -hmm. We've done some Nick Cardi before, but this is beautiful. It rattled along. I mean, it obviously took us a while to get through it, but it's very, very satisfying. Yeah. We're slightly dismissive of Bob Haney and his zany dialogue. Oh, it's so much fun, though. Satisfying is word for it. Mm -hmm. That was a good, solid, clever, chewy issue. Mm -hmm. Not quite as sophisticated as some of the Spectre issues we've done recently, but certainly mm. a little bit of higher quality than, than some of the other stuff that we've done. Yeah. Uh -huh. Compared to recently. I mean, it was, it was very good. Yes. Speaking of the art, I loved the touches like when Robin was running down the corridor, it just focused on his feet in the foreground 
uh-huh. and through his legs in the background you see the aliens coming around the corner yeah it was great just stuff like that the shading in this the inking and shading in this is fantastic yeah, yeah. so atmospheric Cardi's a genius there's, there's a few other panels similar sort of things when you see the feet and the water splashing mm-hmm. around them as they run through and stuff he's yeah the perspective choices that he makes are really really clever mm. they're really really good the lines in the face when leader one is revealed to be Mr. Downs yeah and he turns around he almost looks like Richard Nixon or someone there it just mm-hmm. looks really just really interesting and yeah. individually it looks like someone you would recognise yeah not a generically drawn figure that's so good it's very cinematic the way that they're all crouching behind mm-hmm. and in the shadows and he's silhouetted but then we see him gradually revealed and yeah. Chet recognises him it's, it's masterful I mean, it's not an amazing twist that the headmaster turns out to be the... No, but it's a fun twist. <laughs> was that not done in Buffy? Was it not yeah, the huh? case that the headmaster was... Yeah, yeah that, that rings a bell. Maybe that's where they got the idea. Could be, could be. There's a lot to, to rave about. I mean, we won't go on too lo- much longer because there's, there's some other stuff that we want to get through in this episode. So yeah. we won't rave about it too longer. It's, it's suffice to say that we both really, really enjoyed it now. There's one letter that's particularly relevant to this story. In issue 18, cover dated December 16, the first appearance of the original Starfire. Yeah. Yes, who later became Red Star. Yeah. Tell it to the Titans is the Fantastic Letters page title. And the first letter goes like this. Dear Editor Giordano, your August-ish number 16 was great. Although I've been reading DC Comics for many years, it is a rare occasion indeed that I sit down and become completely absorbed in a comic story. Almost all of your Titan stories are good, but in my opinion, the dimensional caper surpassed them all. Why? I can't really say. The art as usual was excellent, the plot was great. I think the one point in the story that really got me was when the dimensional machine went haywire and started switching the titans back and forth between the dimensions. This to me was the best part of the mag. I'm also glad you managed to work Aqualad into the plot. By this I mean giving him a chance to use his superpower. Putting him in the school pool was a brilliant idea. By the way, whose idea was it anyway? Gardner Fox? John Broom? Probably Broom. With my luck it wasn't either one of them, but Mike Friedrich or Neil Adams. I can guess, can't I? As to the speedy controversy, I'm for replacing Aqualad with him. It's not that I have anything against Aqualad, but he is rather an awkward power. It's sometimes hard to find water in some stories, right? And Speedy, with all his trick arrows, would be the perfect replacement. If you'd like to hear the idea of the century, why not make Supergirl a member? She's in her teens, isn't she? And some of the readers who have been published in your letter call have advocated another girl member. Think about it, huh? Thanks for your great mag, and keep putting out more great issues like number 16. And that's from Jim Burkett Jr. from Hollywood in Florida. Editorial response to that one is, Bob Haney wrote The Dimensional Caper, and all ideas contained therein were a product of his fertile imagination. Presumably if it is Dick Giordano, it's the editor, he continues, we won't replace Aqualad with Speedy, but from now on we won't force the plot to fit Aqualad's power. If water is a natural element in our plot... Akalad will be made to utilise his power. If not, he will join in the action in whatever capacity he can or be given a vacation for an issue. Now, it's quite interesting to say that because at the end of issue 16 there, they assumed that all the Dimension X aliens were gone forever. They were dealt with, but they come back. Yes. We're not going to read issues 20, 21 and 22 because we'd be here all night. And this is not Teen Titans podcast. So I've prepared some summaries. It's worth pointing out by the time we get to issue 20 that Roy Harper, a.k.a. Speedy, has joined the team. Aqualad's actually missing from these episodes, and I think from what I can gather, this seems to tie in with something that was happening in the plot in the regular Aquaman series. So, as we say, Aqualad and Robin speculate that the Dimension X aliens are gone forever, but they actually came back. They came back very, very soon. They're involved in a story which continues through issues 20, 21 and 22 of Teen Titans. And we're going to summarise them for you as quickly as I can in the next little while. 
So Teen Titans issue 20, which was published on the 21st of January 1969. Very moody Nick Cardi cover. The story was actually written and penciled by Neil Adams with inks by Nick Cardi. It's gorgeous, just imagine. Anyway, so the Titans become involved with a caped and masked man who calls himself Joshua. And Joshua kind of looks like a cross between Moon Knight and the Black Panther, the Marvel heroes, if you can imagine that. And this is probably the best point to quickly tell you that the published version of Teen Titans issue 20 was not the original version that was created. Digging about, found some details in an issue of comic book artists that basically explained that Len Wein and Marv Wolfman had written a story where Joshua was a black African-American and his brother was involved with a street gang. There was all sorts of anti-white dialogue from the black characters. DC editorial panicked. The short version is they tried to rewrite it. DC weren't happy. Neil Adams did a top-to-tail rewrite, redraw. They weren't happy. Neil did another one, and that's the version that we got, basically. If you're interested, kids, if you can seek out a copy of Comic Book Artist Issue 1 from 1998, published by Tomorrow's Publishing, you'll be able to get the full details on that. But that's really just to give a bit of context. So yes, Joshua. Joshua needs the Titans' help to keep a group of kids out of trouble. They've fallen in with a group of ex-cons who had a bad influence. and They're led by a guy called Fat Cat, who reports to someone called NG3, who then reports to a shadowy, chess-playing, slightly overweight figure who's somewhere in Europe. Now remember them, because we'll come back to them. The kids are lured into taking part in a plan to blow up Park Avenue and Grand Central Station using explosive green paint. And Joshua gets revealed to be Dave, who's the brother of Chuck, who's one of the kids. Joshua has an electronic jamming device that he hopes will stop the signal to detonate the explosive, but he's too late. A bad guy activates the explosive paint, detonates it if you like, but instead of blowing up, the paint grows into an enormous green cylinder and a massive clawed creature starts to appear, starts to emerge. Joshua's machine turns the cylinder solid and it starts to crack and then it shatters and breaks and the monster vanishes. Joshua speculates that the beast was a surprise to all the guys on Earth like they weren't expecting it and it's then revealed to us that the Dimension X aliens are responsible for the creature and that the Dimension X aliens also control the organisation that the shadowy, slightly overweight chess player is involved in. Mm -hmm. The shadowy chess player vows to destroy the Titans. So before we go into issue 21 of Teen Titans, I have to very quickly tell you about the final page of issue 5 of Hawk and Dove. Now this has nothing to do with the rest of the story, but it features Hawk and Dove chasing a bad guy and they bump into the Teen Titans. And that leads us straight into issue 21 of Teen Titans, which was published on the 18th of March, 1969. Story and art by Neil Adams, gorgeous stuff. Yeah. So the story begins as the Titans and Hawk and Dove clash while chasing the same bad guy, who then manages to escape from them all by using a teleportation tube. Kid Flash works out that the transporter has two destination settings, but he can't figure out which one the bad guy used, so they split into teams. This is sort of initiated by Hawk, who takes the lead, and he and Dove and Wonder Girl go off the transportation tube, and they end up in Istanbul. They're observed by the shadowy chess player and NG3 from issue 20, and after a little while, NG3 and the shadowy chess player gas and knock out Hawk, Dove and Wonder Girl. Robin, Kid Flash and Speedy also use the transporter tube, but they end up in Berlin. Mm-hmm. And they're also observed by the baddies. And then the three lads get taken out after a fight by an electric shot from a massive robot spider. It's great. Neil Adams drawing a massive robot spider. It's what you need in your life, really. Yes. NG3 and his leader are instructed by the Dimension X aliens that Robin and Kid Flash are to be taken to them. So Wally and Robin are carried off, leaving Speedy behind. In Istanbul, Hawk and Dove and Wonder Girl escape from their cell 
and managed to teleport to Berlin and they rescue Speedy from the mechanical spider. And after an argument, they take the fight to the bad guys. Now, the overweight, shadowy chess player contacts his bosses in Dimension X and they're very, very angry with him for not destroying the remaining Titans, i.e. not Kid Flash and Robin. They order chess player guy to use the self-destruct and blow up the base. Hawk and Dove stop him and Speedy questions him about where Robin and Kid Flash are and who gives them their orders. Mm-hmm. And this is there's quite an interesting bit. It's Hawk and Dove's powers sort of wear off. They start to change back into the sort of civvies. So they make an escape using the teleportation tube and this leaves Speedy a little bit sort of confuzzled. Speedy and Wonder Girl now have to try and find the others. And the story ends with Robin and Kid Flash being shown connected up to machinery as um, a gloating Dimension X alien observes Roy and Wonder Girl. So that's the end of issue 21. And so the saga of the Teen Titans and the aliens from Dimension X finishes in issue 22 of Teen Titans, which was published on the 15th of May, 1969. So quite far ahead from where we are in the regular timeline at the moment. Yeah. The story starts with a Dimension X alien scientist torturing Kid Flash and Robin. And he tells them that if they cooperate with him, they'll have freedom and power on Earth. And the boys literally tell him where to shove his <laughs> offer. And then the interrogation is interrupted by another Dimension X alien called Rangor. You get the sense he's in charge on Earth. The police are taking off the fat man and his gang. And they let Speedy and Wonder Girl have access to the whole place for a while. And Speedy and Wonder Girl figure out that the fat man's chessboard was how the aliens controlled him. Roy starts moving the chess pieces, which opens a portal through which emerges another big scary monster. Yes. They manage to lure it back into the portal after a bit of a fight using one of Roy's sonic arrows. Rangor and the scientists plan to use Robin and Kid Flash to capture Wonder Girl and Speedy, and they attempt to send them back to Earth via a portal, but instead, Wally and Dick end up in another strange limbo dimension, which really put me in mind of the limbo dimension from the Atom team-up that we did just before Christmas. Yeah. Um, Jewel of the Atoms, you know that one? Mm-hmm. Robin makes an attempt to damage the harnesses that he and Kid Flash are wearing. Um, but he's unsuccessful, and the aliens pull them both back into Dimension X. Wally blabs and tells the aliens about the Limbo Dimension, and this confirms the aliens' suspicions about the Dimension, as some of their expeditions were previously lost, because it turns out that Dimension X aliens can't actually see Limbo. The aliens' electronic brain, I suppose their computer, has managed to record Robin and Kid Flash's eye patterns, and the aliens can use this to adapt their own equipment so that they can then see the limbo dimension themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, as Rangor and a scientist discuss this, Robin manages to free him and Kid Flash using acid from Robin's utility belt, and they escape into limbo using the portal where they meet Wonder Girl and Speedy, who've obviously found their way in after figuring about with the chess machine. The Dimension X aliens follow them, but the weird gravity in the limbo dimension affects their vehicles and missiles. And in a bit of a twist, the creatures that live in this limbo dimension attack the aliens and can, like, swallow their missiles and they get stuck into their vehicles. It's all very good. Very exciting. Aliens attempt to use sonic weapons, but the monsters, like the one that Roy and Wonder Girl dealt with earlier on, turn up and um, basically eat the sonic weapons. So that's very handy. (laughs) A few Dimension X aliens sneak up on the tanks from behind and a proper fight begins. Speedy's arrows are very effective, but very quickly Roy runs out and only has one arrow left. And from this point, we're going to read you the last couple of pages of the story just to wind it up properly. So in the final couple of panels of page 14 of issue 22, it's all kicking off. The alien Dimension X aliens are fighting the Titans. Wonder Girl cries to Speedy, Keep it up, Speedy! We got him on the run as long as you don't run out of arrows! 
And then we get a close-up of Roy, very moody panel by Neil Adams, and Roy says, Yeah, except this is the last arrow I can use without something coming along to eat me. Roy fires the last arrow and then strikes at one of the aliens using his bow, thinking, I'm out of non-energy arrows, but I'm not out of energy. And then a caption says, Behind the boy Bowman, bits of shimmering light begin to coalesce and become one. And one grows and grows. And sure enough, some sparkles of green energy behind Roy start to coalesce and form a shape. Panel 2, page 15, we're with Wonder Girl, who's fighting against some of the Dimension X aliens. And one of the aliens says, Seize the female fools! The other titans will stay away once we have made her helpless. It's the helpless part you boys are having trouble with, big man, says Wonder Girl. She punches out one of the aliens. And in the next panel, we see Robin being set upon by a couple of them. And he's thinking, too many of them, sooner or later. But then he notices something and thinks, what's that? And sure enough, all of the energy that had started to appear behind Speedy in the earlier panel is forming the shape of a silhouette of a bowman. It's like an adult male bearing a bow and arrow. And then in panel 4, page 15, the energy bowman, as we're calling him, draws a bead on some of the aliens and fires at them with a whamp. And as he does this, he seems to say, You have transgressed. You are foreign entities in this dimension. You must return to your home. The caption for the next panel says, The glowing missile returns to its owner and fired again and again into the oncoming hordes from Dimension X. Yeah, you get a great insert of the alien leader being struck in the face by a bolt of energy. And then the final panel, page 15 of issue 22, is a massive bolt of energy taking out half a dozen of the aliens. And the Phantom Bowman's voice says, Your invasion will not be tolerated. Return home, child of the egg. Or face complete and total destruction. So we arrive at the final page of this whole story. And the first panel, page 16, has a caption that says, Finally! And the background of the panel is a sort of burst of energy, as it looks as though Dimension X aliens are taking their leave from the limbo dimension and going back to their own dimension. The Phantom Bowman says, They have gone. Wonder Girl says, Wow! Who is this thing, guy, whatever? And then the phantom bowman shape says over the next couple of panels, I, we, are the only thinking entity in this dimension. And until now, I, we, had no reason for joining together as one. Your instinct to preserve and protect your dimension has inspired me, us, to do no less for my dimension. Speedy has provided me, us, with a weapon of protection. Beings from Dimension X will never again take this pathway to your world. Peace. Yeah, but in this final panel, it looks as though the, the blue energy alien guy is dissolving. The Titans walk off looking very happy, and Robin concludes the whole proceedings by saying, Peace, baby. The end. Yes, the end. That was a very messy telling of issues 20, 21 and 22. They're all reprinted in the DC Universe illustrated by Neil Adams, Omnibus Volume 1, if you want to track them down. And ah. That probably wasn't the most satisfying way of telling you those stories, <laughs> listeners. It probably killed the momentum completely after issue 16. But yes, the Dimension X aliens came back, but they dealt with them. So that's all we really need to know. <laughs> but that's not the end for these Dimension X aliens. No, no. They actually survive Crisis in Infinite Earths, would you believe? And they come back in the pages of Booster Gold. This is mental. We're actually leaping years and years and years into the future. Because basically, the end game, as we've said in the past for our podcast, is Crisis in Infinite Earths. But as Pete says, there is some more. 
So yes, the Dimension X aliens do return post-crisis in a two-part Booster Gold story. The first part was in issue 21, which came out on the 14th of July, 1987. So it's way, 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 way in the future, (laughs) comparatively. So yes, in this story, Booster Gold is recovering from a fight with the Rainbow Raider, where he lost his sight for a while. But his sister, who came back from the future to see him, is missing, and he manages to trace her down to a motel in Minnesota which he discovers contains a gateway to this Dimension X. Wow! Yeah. And an alien from the Dimension attacks Booster. And then, when he realises that he can't win the fight, he kills himself! So Booster searches the alien's body and finds a ticket stub on him. During this fight, the alien mentions a previous encounter with the Teen Titans. So Booster contacts Wonder Girl to find out more about them. He then rushes to a gateway to the other dimension, which exists in a place called the Metrodome. And Booster enters the portal, he makes his way through the space between dimensions and arrives in Dimension X, where he finds his sister. Wow. She's a prisoner of the aliens and is given the choice to save her or a stadium full of people back on Earth. That's right. Now, at this time, Booster's sister Michelle was using a costume to gain powers. That's right. Magnetic powers. The code name was Gold Star. It was actually Trixie, Booster's secretary, who was originally given the costume. But Michelle kind of pinched it and was using it for herself. So yes, she's wearing the Gold Star costume when she's trapped. So there we are. So jumping into issue 22, which came out on the 18th of August, 1987, it starts off with Booster with the same choice. Is he going to save Michelle in Dimension X or return to Earth and stop the giant that's threatening thousands of people? Oh, gosh. Now, Booster comes up with an idea. His sidekick is our flying robot called Skeets, if you're unaware of this. Yay! Oh, I love Skeets. So, (laughs) he sends Skeets to rescue Michelle, and he returns back to Earth. He tries to stop the giant himself, but he's not able to. So he does what any sensible superhero would do, and he calls in the Justice League. Which is something that is wonderful, because I hate it in all these comics where heroes are totally outnumbered and outclassed and outmanned. Yes. And... They don't think to call the league because it happens to be a Batman comic as opposed to... <laughs> yeah. Or a Superman comic on his own, you know. No, you're right. It's a massive situation that there's no way Booster should be the handle. It makes perfect sense that he's going to call his pals in. Yeah. And at this point, he's only been in the league for about three or four issues. Yeah, it's not long. Uh-huh. It's an interesting time because the league at this point, you know, the, the Giffen Demetrius League is very much the sort of the workplace sitcom sort of thing. Yeah. So, Booster being very traditional superhero comic, it's quite mm-hmm. weird that I remember they had something similar, I think, in Issue of Blue Beetle, where the league popped up, and it's quite jarring when you're used to the sort of mm-hmm. sitcom stuff when they're actually just playing it straight and being normal superheroes. It's quite weird. Yeah, the lineup for the league that turn up here are Batman, Black Canary, Blue Beetle, Captain Atom, Doctor Fate, Guy Gardner, Martian Manhunter, Mister Miracle, and Rocket Red Number Seven. Yep. That's not the Rocket Red who is most known for being in the league. This is the first Rocket Red that joined them. Yeah. Who has got a nasty end. But there you go. That's another story for another time. Yes. Or perhaps another podcast. Um, yeah, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so, working together, Booster and the league managed to defeat the big giant that's menacing the stadium. So Booster then returns back to Dimension X, where he discovers Skeets has rescued Michelle. Yeah. And they start to make their escape. However, Booster learns of an invasion from the alien army. He destroys the device which could transport the army to Earth, but in doing so, he also causes the entire building to collapse. Sounds a bit familiar. (laughs) Yes. uh So he and Michelle manage to safely reach to the gateway to return to Earth. But while configuring the controls, the machine explodes, killing Michelle. Yes. 
she sort of gets hit by a stray power cable or something, doesn't she? Yeah. That's what I seem to remember. And it's quite, you're sort of like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's an absolute shocker uh, at the time. So, yeah. Mister's mm-hmm. thrown through the gateway as it's destroyed and he and Skeets make it back to Earth. But, obviously, his sister's dead. At the funeral, yeah. Dr. Fate sends Michelle's headstone into a different realm. A different realm? I wonder if that even means another dimension altogether. Could be. It's interesting. Could be. Yep. But there's a slight twist at the end where Trixie, who I mentioned earlier, Booster's kind of secretary in Gold Star, or Mr. Gold International as it later became, she says, how could he have been in Dimension X when she saw him harassing Superman at the same time? Gosh, there's a cliffhanger for anyone who fancies doing a Booster Gold podcast <laughs> to find out what happens next. But yes, Dimension X, that's the last we see of Dimension X, though, in that Booster Gold story. But they came back. It was fun and exciting. and Yeah, completely unexpected. When you mentioned to me in the preparation, mm-hmm. ages and ages and ages ago, when we first talked about doing yeah, because we debated about whether or not we were going to do this issue uh-huh. of Teen Titans, because... At first, we were just going to do parallel Earths and define parallel worlds. We Mm -hmm. weren't going to strictly do other dimensions, but we've obviously decided to do that. So this was one that we weren't originally going to do it because as far as the dimension kind of seemed to go, you know, Dimension X seemed to go in the story. It was just this funny stuff with the school. But then Mm -hmm. we thought, no, we want to talk about the Titans. There's other issues we can talk about as well. So I was really surprised when you mentioned that they popped up in Booster Gold. It's fascinating. And it's probably the only time we'll get to talk about Booster Gold in the podcast. It probably is, yeah, because I think his own comic sort of a starts during the publication of Crisis and Infinite Earth, mm-hmm. but he doesn't pop up in it, and yeah. he's, he's not involved in any of the crossovers. So, so yeah, our, our one solitary Booster Gold appearance. I'll probably put the two covers with the Booster Gold issues up as yeah. as bonus material through the week. I think, to be honest, yeah. Also, there will be the covers from the, the issues we've talked about, and some selected panels from issue sixteen, and probably a couple of other galleries of Titans related stuff as well. So, Peter, where can everyone find our social media? Well, on Facebook and Instagram, we're at the Earth 2 Podcast, and on Twitter, we're at podcast underscore Earth 2. And if you fancy writing to us and commenting on this show, or indeed anything we're to chat about in general, that's fine. You can email us at the Earth 2 Podcast at gmail.com. When Pete says that, we do mean sort of relevant to the podcast, you know. I don't, no, just drop me a line. We don't really want to hear about, you know, any trouble you're having with your neighbours or what your mum's been up to. We're not really fussed about that. I would be delighted to hear about trouble with your neighbours. <laughs> yeah. We'd be delighted to hear anything, actually. Give us an email, <laughs> someone, please. <laughs> On that bombshell. I've been Peter. <laughs> he has been Peter and I've been David. Thank you for bearing with us, listeners. Hopefully Peter's managed to turn us into a nice little tidy package. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time on... The, the Earth, Earth 2 Podcast. Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth... I tell you, Mr. Walters, your son, Chet, is emotionally disturbed. Is that the voice you're going to do? Yeah. What's wrong with that? Because he's the baddie. He's the main baddie. I know. I thought you were just going to do him a bit more American and a bit tougher, given he's the baddie. I was doing it Alan Partridge style, because I'm going to do the aliens. Are you? Yeah. Why? Because they're alien. (laughs) Okay. Right. Is is it not going to strip them of any menace? Their actions are menacing enough. Okay. Okay, right, okay. You could make your aliens more menacing. Okay, right, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.